0: Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. After spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the Clubhouse. GSW is certainly picking up steam in search, recruiting, training, and consulting. Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. All about the journey in this business. The journey can come in a variety of ways, and I'm excited to have our next guest share his, where he has worked in five different leagues in five different cities throughout his career. I'm excited to have our next guest, Jordan Cannon, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for New York City Football Club of the MLS. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Jordan, excited to chat with you, and, and let's kick it off where we started. You've worked in five different leagues with arena football, American Hockey League, minor league baseball, the NBA, and now the MLS, and we'll, we'll certainly dive into all those stops. What is one key similarity and one difference in selling at a high level regardless of leagues?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny. A lot of
0: people ask me that question, and I, I,
1: the main thing that really sticks out to me is hard work and process trumps all. You know, if you... Stick to your process and you work harder than anybody else. Doesn't matter what league you're going to be in, you're going to be successful. You know, I think the main thing, one of the main things I tell my team now is, um, and I'm sure we'll get into it here in a little while, but we're in a very crowded marketplace. And if you just work hard and stick to your process, yeah. you, you, this might be the hardest sell of your career, but you will have success anywhere. Um, and I think it holds true from, you know, the most minor league Philadelphia Soul Arena football team um, up to the NBA in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. A major difference is that you're not really selling what's on the court or the field in minor league sports, you know, because everybody comes, they they move up, they move down, different each year. Correct. I mean, we we were fortunate enough to have hundred pence come in, and this shows my age a little bit, but we were fortunate to have hundred pence coming to Sacramento for for a few games. And did we sell those games out? Of course we did. But that's that's a fluke. Whereas my time in Cleveland, you know, arguably you you did have those players that really impacted what your individual game sales look like. So um, but I think hard work and
0: process, if you can keep that throughout everything, you'll be successful. Now, yeah, I love it. And and certainly with 52 weeks of hustle, it's all is all about effort and hustle. And, and that's certainly what we're going to dive into your career, Jordan. Going you know, going back even from the beginning, you you go to Temple University, you receive your degree in sports and recreation management. And you got started, you just briefly mentioned you know in the arena football with the Philadelphia Soul. How'd you get started in this business?
1: Yeah. You know, it, um, so I played college baseball. Um, and, you know, I was, I was focused on like every college baseball player, they think they're going to go pro. Um, that obviously didn't happen or I, we wouldn't be sitting here. But, uh, I, I got my senior internship, um, with the Philadelphia Soul, you know, and I think if you would have asked me 15 years ago if I'd be selling tickets, I'd tell you absolutely not. Um, right. you know, I think I, I, I got my, got my start there and I really did everything. Um, you know, and I think a big piece of advice I got when I was an intern was if you were to leave today, and I think this holds true for every position from an intern all the way up to the highest level of executive is if you were to leave today, make sure the company would, would feel a void, right? So that you're almost, you know, irreplaceable or indispensable. And I think that's extremely important when you are starting off because you know, you just don't want to be a number. You want to be, you know, they want to know who you are and they want to say, you know, this this person works really hard. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I started out in Philly in, in, in my hometown
0: uh, and, and kind of branched out from there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And after a few years there, you go on to sell with the Adirondack Phantoms of the AHL. And as you think back, you know, both selling in the, in the Arena Football League and then the AHL, What's one key learning that you know now that you wish you would have known back early on in your career?
1: Yeah, I think the power of network. Um, You know, I think when I was extremely young, I was I was focused on like everybody, you know, pounding the phones and calling single game buyers. You know, I think. Uh, looking back, I wish I got out more. I wish I got out there. I wish I was, you know, more visible in the community. Um, you know, I I was focused on coming in, making as many phone calls as I could and, and granted that is still extremely important, right? That's the hustle and work ethic that we talk about, but, you know, be somebody who's just not someone on the end of the phone. Um, you know, I think that for me was looking back, I probably had, could have had more success, um, because I think the power of network and not even just for your personal network, but just network with, you know, your clients and get to know who right. they're close with and that you can double and triple your book of business and, and your revenue numbers like that um, right. just
0: by kind of getting out and, and being more than a, a name on a piece of paper. And I think it's great advice. It's not only to your, to your point of like pounding the phones is, is vitally important to your career, but imagine if you do both, both pound the phones, immerse yourself in the community to your point, the endless, you know, the opportunities are endless and, Jordan, your next stop is in minor league baseball, and you briefly mentioned with Hunter Pence coming to town with the Sacramento Rivercats, uh, where you get into leadership. Why was leadership the right fit for you? Yeah, you know, Travis, I think this is – I played sports growing up my
1: whole life. And, you know, I held multiple positions from a you know, captain level um, throughout my, my career. And I think one of the main things that kind of got me going was bringing people together towards a common goal. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I got my first leadership role when I was 23. So extremely, extremely young, um, you know, Chip Maxon, the GM in Sacramento, who's, who's still there, phenomenal mentor, just great guy. And, um, he, he took a chance on me. Um, and, and he, you know, he laid out his vision and I say, you know, what, I can help amplify that vision. And I think I can help grow a team and, and really help your vision come to life. Um, you know, and I it was it was a no-brainer for me. I mean, I wanted to be a sole contributor at the same time, but I felt like I could impact a, an organization more if I was in a leadership role, kind of helping coach and mentor and and push people to be better.
0: You know, and, and to your point, Chip took a chance on you. You you certainly took a chance getting into leadership and have, have really kind of catapulted that. Because then after several years there with the River Cats, you transitioned to the NBA with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and what was the biggest adjustment going from minor league sports to professional sports?
1: Yeah, you know, I think I think it has to do with I was able to focus on my day to day job a lot more when I was when I was in the NBA. And, and the reason why I say that is, you know, I was very fortunate to be in Sacramento. Uh, we had a we had a very large team. Um, you know, everybody talks about pulling tarp. They actually didn't let us pull tarp. Um, <laughs> I don't know, maybe somebody punch, punctured it or something, but uh, <laughs> right. there's but, there's some story behind it, I'm sure. Of course, uh, there has to be. But I was fortunate enough to work in a larger minor league organization that was run more like a professional organization. than I think some are. Um, and, but I think the biggest difference was that I was able to focus and and really hone my skill set on what my day to day responsibilities were um, and, and really focus and, and get a lot of exp- exposure and experience from a leadership standpoint. Um, you know I think in Sacramento it was an awesome experience looking back when well, probably one of the best of my of my career um but in in Cleveland I could really focus on being the best and dominating my role yep. and I didn't really have to worry about you know having to now not to say we didn't do this but handing posters out at ingress and egress right or whatever it might be so yep. it, it really allowed me to focus a little bit more time on sharpening
0: my skill set and really dominating the current role that I'm in yep. You know, and, and back a couple of years ago on 52 Accessible, we had one of your mentors and the CEO of NYCFC and Brad Sims. And and one of his biggest pieces of advice on that podcast was, are you dominating your day um, mm-hmm. into exactly what you just mentioned? And you know, after several successful years there with the Cavs in Cleveland, you transitioned to the Big Apple, where you've been with NYCFC over four and a half years now. And first, do you ever think you'd still be here four and a half years later? Uh, it's a funny question. So I I think as you get a little bit older, your priorities change, right? Um, so I'm
1: originally from the East coast. Um, my wife's from the East coast and, and, you know, it made sense. I always knew I wanted to get back this way. Um, I did my stint kind of West coast back to East coast. I'm not a big city guy, but you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, I I'm very fortunate to be here four and a half years. And I think looking back, maybe, maybe not. I know I definitely wouldn't have left the East Coast, but I don't know about New York City, but I I love it now.
0: So, Well, since your time there, you and the team have had a ton of success and certainly in an interesting selling environment. And not only is there a lot of competition, as you discussed, but you're also playing at a variety of locations throughout the year. And and so how has that experience been for you and your team? Uh, It's challenging to say the the least. I think um, this is the
1: most challenging selling environment that I've been in. In you know, yeah. 12 years <laughs> um, we played in seven home venues last year, I think. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's tough. And, you know, I think the one thing I preach to my group is if you can sell here and dominate here, you, you can almost go anywhere else that has, a, that has a venue and it, it's, I'm not saying it's easier, but it might be just a little bit right. for, for different reasons. You know, I think the tough part is um, we are selling season tickets for a year next year where we don't know what games are going to be played where we don't which i mean we we generally know that our our you know our most of the mix will be at yankee stadium or city field um but we don't know yet and you know i think the the tough part is the way the field is laid in both venues is actually opposite so if you have a sideline view sitting on what you know baseball people know as a third baseline you're going to have an end line view at the other field at the other field. Uh, yep. So it's, it's, it really, it really is. It's allowed me to really increase my skill set in multitasking and being nimble. Uh, but also I think, you know, that's part of our selling point here. That's one of the selling points that we have here is, you know, you're going to come here, you're going to get a lot of stuff thrown at you. You have to be able to pivot on the dime. Right. And I think that is a, that's something that is really tough to, to learn, especially when you're coming right out of school. So um, it's definitely a tough environment for sure.
0: Well, and I certainly know working with you and your team and, and talking to you guys in the past, like, yes, you you preach every day, being flexible and pivot. But I think, you know, your, your team members have have kind of owned it and said, you know yeah. what, this is we've got to control what we can control. And that's why you've had a ton of success, which is which is huge kudos to you and your team. And recently there was a deal, you know, to to reach and, and build a new Stocker Stadium by 2027. Sure, yeah. there's a lot going on over the next few years, but how's been a part of that thus far? uh it's great i mean it's it goes back to being nimble and
1: thinking on your feet right yeah um you know i think we're excited to see what comes down the pipeline we're really excited to um ramp up over the next few years and and i mean it's a really exciting time for us you know i think the the sport of soccer is growing we are continuing to grow our fan base um we're fired up over here to, to keep it rolling
0: Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Jordan Cannon, Vice President of Ticket Sales and Service for the New York City Football Club of the MLS. And Jordan, let's get into three hot topics. You know, Question one, there's been a lot of talk and articles about the growth of MLS as a whole. And, you know, even one recent stat I, I saw was over the last decade, it's, it's rose 27% in interest. And yeah. that's a long way, especially given a decade ago, there was concern, was the league even going to make it? Mm-hmm. Why do you think the MLS and, and soccer as a whole has really grown here in the States? Yeah. You know, I think the league is trying to be
1: as innovative and forward thinking as possible. You know, I think when you think about it broadly, I I would say that arguably the NBA everybody thinks is probably the most innovative league and, and what uh, commissioner silver rolled out over the all-star breaks on the awesome technologies there. But yep. it, we, the MLS is trying, it's focused on innovation. Um, they're also focused a lot on community, which I think is really important, and focused on diversity. Um, and it's something that that I've seen over the last four and a half years. We are so immersed in the community. It, you know, it's I've never seen anything like it before. Um, we have built over seventy six pitches, or have have uh, I think we're at fifty or so now, and we've committed to build seventy six total by the World Cup in twenty twenty six mini blue pitches around New York city and the five boroughs. And it's just creating that space, that safe space for kids to come and play and experience soccer at a young age. I mean, we're in New York city, the most most diverse place in the world. Um, We have to appeal to the diversity of the city, but also I think MLS as a whole has done a really good job to focus on that. And, you know, the younger demographics, I mean, everybody plays soccer when they grow up. Right. Um, it just it was bound to catch on at some point, but yeah. um, yeah. I mean, I think the the focus on the community efforts and the focus on being ingrained in that community and diverse culture, I, I think, is really what stands out.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It kind of comes full circle. You mentioned early on in your career, you you wish you would have done a little bit more immersing yourself in the community, and now you see you're seeing dividends on it. And Jordan, question two, you know, as we've discussed throughout the podcast, you spent much of your early part of your career in minor league sports, both from a startup perspective all the way even to the River Cats, which we're, we're doing a lot more and built like a professional organization. And within minor league sports, you're getting experience doing a little bit of everything. So what was it like for you, knowing that you may be selling tickets one day, working a community event the next and, and being a mascot on the next day?
1: Yeah, you know, um, Well, first of all, I think it was fun. Uh, We were able to kind of do a little bit of everything. I I, I was soul man at some point. So Philadelphia soul, that was, that was a little rough. Um,
0: Is there a picture of that anywhere that we can share?
1: No, those are long deleted. (laughs) deleted. Polaroids? uh, Yeah. I would say we have the Polaroids. They're in the, they're in the film. Uh, No, but it was fun. I, you know, I think early on in my career, it exposed me to so much and, and it, and not only did it expose me, but I got an appreciation for what other people do and what other departments are doing. And it, it really benefits me now because I have a true understanding of our street team, what they're doing every day. And I, and I get it. And I think I have respect for that, for that team doing that because it's tough. And I have respect for you know who, who dresses up in the mascot outfit and goes out. And I know what it's like to hand flyers out ingress and egress. And I think not only myself, my team had exposure to that. so. I think what it does is it builds character um, and then also it builds an appreciation
0: for your teammates outside of just your your sales group as a whole. Yeah, no, absolutely. And finally, question three, Jordan, each of your stops in leadership, you've been able to grow internally. What's your advice to listeners out there on being able to going back to what we've talked about, dominating your day and your role to continue to grow internally? Yeah, no, for sure. You
1: know, I think. Early on in my career, you know, I I have moved around a little bit, uh, but I think one main focus for me was show internal growth, right? I think that was that was told to me early on in my career. Um, and it's not always, it, it's great to continue to move if, if you have to, but if you have that internal growth, I think that speaks volumes about individuals. I know when I look to hire directors, senior directors, even, even salespeople, I look for that internal growth. Because I think what that shows is that the organization you're with trusts you and they want to build around you. Um, You know, and I think it's very rare to see people stay with a team for their entire career right now. Um, But if you can show that progression within your your company, I think it speaks wonders. Um, You know, but also I think it goes back to a big thing for me is I wasn't always focused on what's next. I was focused on doing what I have to do and dominating my job and dominating my role. You know, and I think I wasn't so much of a vocal person of, hey, I need to be promoted. I got to get promoted. I need it now. I need it now. I need it now. It's, you know, I'm going to do the job before I have the job. Um, And I am going to, when, you know, the executive team sits down at the end of the year or whenever they evaluate performance and say, hey, that guy deserves to be promoted, right? And I think there's a a no brainer. no brainer. And I think that it's funny because I had this conversation with, with somebody on, on my team and actually one of um, my old reps uh, in Cleveland a couple weeks ago was also when you promote someone, you want the rest of the organization to think, you know what, that of course, that person definitely deserves that. Like yep. it's you don't want people saying, well, why did why did they promote so-and-so or who, whoever? And, and I think it it speaks wonders to show that internal growth and. Um, but also I think it comes from just dominating your role and, and keeping your head down, but also being out and open with, you know, what your career
0: aspirations are at the same time. Absolutely. Love it. Well, Jordan, such a great career. And it's, it's always fun to, to catch, to, to talk business. So as you think back, what's been your best memory of your career? Well, Charles, I think the easy answer would be the NBA championship,
1: right? That's yep. I think the, the absolute easiest answer to come up with, but I'll dig a little bit deeper. Um, I, you know, I think being in the role I am and 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 being able to hire a ton of people over my 12 year career so far, I think it's awesome to see people grow into leadership roles. Um, you know, I think people that I've hired over my career I've, are now vice presidents are now directors are now, you know, on the partnership side of the business, have even gotten out of ticket sales and are, are now in you know operations. And I think yeah. it's great to see that because you want to you know i think a lot of people talk about the tree right you want to you know how how big is your tree and and i think what that what that stands for is you know it, it's a testament to not only yourself but then also you know your mentors my mentors and and everything as a whole so i you know i think that in and of itself might be my best memory that might be a little bit of a cop out but um
0: you know it's a little bit deeper than just my nba championship ring in 2016 so Love it. Well, Jordan, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey, both personally and professionally. And to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Ready to roll. If you could have any actor play your life in a movie, who would it be? Adam Sandler. Love it. What's the last thing you completed on your bucket list? Uh, I read over 50 books this past year. Awesome. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? Hands down, Cal Ripken Jr. Love it. I'm a huge Cal Ripken Jr. fan as well. And and to close it out, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day?
1: Yeah, you know, I think three of them, the biggest three would be have humility,
0: be self-aware, and stay hungry. Love it. Perfect. Well, Jordan, thank you so much. What a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Absolutely. Thanks, Travis. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.